Hello and welcome back to our 12th episode of Talking Their Language. We're discussing the topic today of welcoming new arrivals and we're joined by Christina who is EAL coordinator and MFL lead at a high school in England. Hi Christina. Yeah certainly, hi my name's, uh, my name's Christina Hingley, um, I am a current modern foreign languages teacher, so French and Spanish and whole school EAL coordinator at Firth Park Academy. Um, we're located in the north of Sheffield, so a very vibrant and diverse area and yeah I am uh, in charge of our new to English curriculum, our ESOL curriculum, the new arrivals, basically anything that is under the EAL umbrella comes in my direction. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So a day a day to day on um your job will be a very different, won't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, lots of different lessons, very busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So as we know, welcoming new arrivals can happen at any time in the school year. But thinking about September in particular, can you tell us about your induction process? and the admissions process and what that looks like in your school? Yeah, there's um, a couple of different steps that we take. So um, I work very closely with the admissions office um, who will send me information before the student arrives to allow me to um, find out um, where the student's from, um, their family situation, um, any previous schooling history. Um, And what we tend to do is we invite these students in for almost like an induction day. So uh, they'll get a tour around the school, they'll get to meet myself and other members of staff, um, and we will test them and assess them um, for their English language level. So currently at the moment at Firth Park, we use the NASIA step assessment. And what we've done is we have um, created our own five tier um, EAL coding system that ties in with the NASIA steps. And that coding system allows us to work out whether the students are an EAL one. So that, you know, Department for Education code AB or an EAL five, which is fluent in English and they don't need any additional help and all this information um, we as staff we we put together onto an online profile Um, all of our colleagues here have access to that and so for instance if we need any information about um, who to phone or whether family need translation because um, English isn't their their first language or if we need to find out some sort of teaching strategies or whether they're you know stronger in writing than they are reading that's where they can go it's you know it's the port of call Um, and then the students you know, are introduced to their form tutor, they get their uniform, it's all incredibly welcoming and, yeah. and, and you know, they, they feel very, very settled. Oh, fantastic. Um, so is that, um, you get your parents in as well, is it? So you have a parental meeting? Yeah. Yeah, it's really important for us here at Firth Park to, to make sure that parents um, are part of the induction um, because obviously, you know, um, we want them to feel welcome as a school. We, we, we call ourselves the Firth Park family. Um, so it's not just the children that we help. It is also um, the parents. We, we do find a lot of parents, carers, for instance, come in and they will ask us for help with translations on things such as um, letters or bank statements. Um, they want help with um, housing and, and sort of we're, we're the ones that, that can give them that, that further oh, help. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah. Also, looking at assessment. So you've talked about how you do the initial assessments. How does that look going forward? Yeah. So um, what will happen is, um, depending on the level on the NASI step assessment that the student gets, will determine the, the direction where they go in terms of their education. So here at Firth Park, we run something called um, the New to English Group. Now, the New to English Group is a full time um basically survival English curriculum. Um, and our students have 25 hours a week of English intervention. Some of it's run by the languages team, some of it by the English team, and some of it by other mainstream teachers. Um, and this will um, encompass things such as um, phonics, 
reading, grammar, basic classroom survival language, um, basic everyday language, such as days of the week, how, days of the week, how to tell the time, um, how to talk about your family, so on and so forth. Um, we also do handwriting with them because obviously a lot of our students um, come with different scripts. So um, yeah. they, that does tend to affect their handwriting as well. And um, it's a rapid, I would say, half-termly course that these students who have very little English go through in order for them to then graduate into mainstream lessons to survive um as such survive by using wow. inverted uh, commas um and then we also as well the, some of the mainstream teachers introduce them to other topics that they will come across when they graduate so they have science lessons and math lessons but they are very much differentiated so that they are accessible for the students it's just almost like an introduction to the vocabulary that they will come across when they do start normal lessons right okay and is that in um set year groups and do you just have it sort of mixed ability yeah so the, yeah the nt group is is mixed across years um so currently at the moment i believe we have um, i think it's about 11 students wide variety of different countries students from syria iraq iran um afghanistan we have um students from pakistan as well in there and yes yeah, so they're different year groups and what will happen is they will be placed in um, a form group which is year appropriate they then spend their lessons in the mixed nte group and then when they um, have completed the intensive course they will move into their um, appropriate years right okay yeah that sounds really good um and if it works really efficiently then those students feel ready don't need to join the mainstream lesson. that's it yeah they, they just fit they I mean I've spoken to a couple of students previously I mean we had two students who came from Angola two sisters and I said to them how would you know if imagine if we'd have just chucked you into mainstream lessons yeah. and like how would have you felt and one of them said was was like you know miss I just I would have just sunk I wouldn't have understood anything at all it's you know having that time just to process the the shock of coming to a new school a completely yeah. new language a new environment and and having it in this small nurturing group was was really helpful so yeah we, we are quite proud of what we do here and we have found that um you know students do the reaction to the group is very positive yeah i can imagine and it builds that confidence too doesn't it most definitely yeah talking about acquiring english and sort of accessing the curriculum and aiming high how does this continue through mainstream lessons so what sort of things can people be looking for or putting putting in place uh, for those students going forward? yes that's a really good question um and i think it's important for us to to remember you know we as teachers we are all teachers of eal regardless of our you know specialism um and it is important that we mustn't forget that our EAL students, you know, although that they're not able to communicate in English, that doesn't mean that they don't have that knowledge yeah. um, upstairs. They, they're they just not able to, to verbalise it. And so I always insist this to our staff here. Um, it's, it's important that we push and we challenge our EAL students, but do it with support. So, um, for instance, if it's our key stage four students who are studying towards their GCSEs, it will be making sure that the worksheets are differentiated with things such as um, sentence starters or um, we do a lot of close activities, um, getting uh, example answers. Um, we do a lot of um, translating as well. We actively encourage sort of translanguaging and things like that, um, giving students the resources that they need to, to be able to access the material. Yeah, translanguage is really important now, isn't it? And I think it's only sort of come about it recently, hasn't it, or at least last year or so. It is. It's something that, um, that I've, you know, I've, I've recently been, um, well, I've, I've been studying for my master's in uh, English language and linguistics and it was one of the things that we had as a, an area of study and it's it is something that I've, I've become really interested in and obviously as a Spanish speaker myself I've 
I thought, oh, this is when I, when I used to live in Spain, this was something that I used to do. And then I didn't even know. And we, we actively encourage it here. We, we, we tend to sit students with speakers of the same language and we say to them, don't be afraid. You know, if you want to write a sentence in your home language and then switch it back to English, if you don't know what the, the, the words are, that's not a problem at all. Um, as long as you're able to to get what you want to say across, yeah. we're happy with that. We would actively, you know, promote the use of home language here yeah and it's that planning isn't it and discussion beforehand where you can get all your mm-hmm. ideas down in your home language and then like you say process Most it in definitely. english afterwards if you need to that's it yeah yeah um obviously there is um a high level of trauma um, with welcoming refugees too and Obviously, there can be a high level of trauma with these students that are coming from other countries. And as we're welcoming new arrivals, we need to be really thinking about student well-being and the pastoral resources. So how does that work in your school? Yeah, this is something that we've been really focusing in on this year because um, we have ha- we have our language curriculum pretty much down. And, you know, we, we've taught that for several years now and, and it's, it's set in stone. But um, we have seen over the last few months... Um, an increase in students who are um, unaccompanied minors and um, who are now living with foster carers and they're in the care system. And these students have come through to the, uh, to England um, in, in sort of, I say illegal in like inverted commas again, illegal ways. So, um, you know, we've had students who've been trafficked and others who've come across on, on small boats and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, as you mentioned, there is a lot of trauma in this. And so in order for us to support the students, we've really been trying to focus this year on providing things such as um, additional counselling for them. We've been working with local charities in the city to try and get yeah. interpreters in who can um, just basically talk to them and um, in a familiar language so that they can um, tell us exactly how they're feeling um, any concerns that they have it's you know it's it's easy enough for me to say oh are you okay and um but sometimes they just can't communicate how they feel and and being trying able you know to say that back to me is is quite difficult but to have someone to to do it in their home language is really useful um and we've also been trying to organize things um such as art therapy so we have a number of staff in school who run it in-house and then we've also built connections with um organizations outside of the school who um will run it who were in group um therapy and they're, they're trained counselors as well so yeah it's it's looking fairly positive and yeah that's really yeah. important have you got any resources that you use um for pastoral support yeah so we do a lot of things such as um visual timetables um we have a lot of flashcards um that the students carry around in their bags or they have them on lanyards around their neck to help with things such as you know asking to go to the toilet um i need help i need a teacher um one's actually taken from your website daily communication yeah the daily communication they're the ones that um that, that we use quite a lot and um things such as um you know if they wanted to speak to their head of year or to um, their teachers. We take photographs of the member of staff and they get put on a document that the, the students have as well. So it's, you know, rather than us just going, oh, you need to go and speak to Mrs. Craddock, we can actually point at the picture as well so they know who it is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's that day-to-day um, sort of ideas and activities mm. that are really important, you know, and that you don't sometimes think of, do you? That's it, yeah. And, we, you know, we always say to, to staff around school, um, you you've got to be you've got to take your time with these students and you've got to appreciate that that this is going this is a very difficult um time for them it's scary um a lot of our students go through a silent period and you've just got to bear that in mind and, and take things slowly 
yeah definitely what other sort of advice um, and practical advice do you offer your sort of staff members and that other listeners um, listening to this might take on board yeah there's um, lots of different things that we we actively try to to, to promote here at Firth Park so um, we use a lot of technology to help with our um, new to English and um, EAO students so for instance we have invested in um, reading pens and scanning pens so they allow um, I'm not sure if, if the listeners are, are aware of what reading pens are but they are oh, a yeah. device that um, the students can scan printed text and it reads it out loud um they had there's multiple different types there's ones that just read them out loud but there's also ones that actually translate into various different languages as well um and they are super useful Uh, i mean for a lot of our students reading is the most difficult skill and they become very frustrated when they you know there's five six seven words in a line that they can't understand and they just give up but having a reading pen allows them to hear the word and they can then process it and understand it and it makes comprehending that text a little bit easier so yeah we, we actively promote that and they're allowed to use them in exams as well so that is a big benefit oh, for our GCSE students yeah um we also like I mentioned before um use of Chromebooks and iPads to help with translating we give students the freedom to use them as and when they want to in lessons um and we also which apps do you recommend so you know on the ipad iPad. which apps do you use so we tend to use um google translate just for the translation we have also invested in the learning village which is an online learning platform um that has thousands of different lessons that students can access um it's practicing vocabulary recalling it using it in context they then assess them on it um and staff can also print resources off it as well which is super useful so again like close activities um, matching up tasks so on and so forth um, and I'm also a massive fan of communicating print uh, the widget online software um, that allows staff to type in a word and it will transform it into an image and you can create wow. resources where you have um, like a sentence and then it's all put into um, different uh, symbols images and they're used um, consistently throughout a text or throughout the work and students soon come to realize that that symbol that image represents this word that symbol is a verb that symbol and yeah it's it's super useful yeah that sounds similar to what i think we've got twinkle symbols um the app yeah yeah so that's similar to to what you're talking about there um, mm. that's really important isn't it especially if staff are using it all the time as well and the students start to recognize those that's symbols it. yeah yeah, they could, they come to to know that, and we also like to use um, color coding w- with those symbols as well. So, for instance, um, adjectives might be color coded and say in red, or nouns might be in a blue. And students come to recognize, okay, if a word is a blue word, then I know it's a noun. It's going to have an article in front of it. Or, um, for instance, if it is a verb, they're able to recognize, okay, this is the um, this is the time phrase before it needs to be changed into this tense, so on and so forth. Oh, that's fantastic. It just means that everybody's a language teacher, aren't they? Which is really important yeah. across the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, what other things do you do at lunch times or after school clubs? Do you have any, um, you know, school clubs that you promote? Yeah, we do. So um, we have an enrichment program here at Firth Park where um, students, um, they have to do two period sixes. So that's from three to four o'clock, two extra clubs after school um, a week. Now, we found when this was first introduced that um, there, there are clubs that uh, some of the PE department run, some members of staff actively run them. So we have things like Scrabble Club, Crochet Club, Engineering Club. We do Languages Club down here, so on and so forth. And we found that a lot of our new 
to English and low-level EEL students were being put into clubs that just weren't accessible, weren't suitable. So, for instance, we had some of them in a in Scrabble club, and I, and I was okay. a bit like, oh, gosh. <laughs> they have very low English-level comprehension. I don't think they'll be able to access the Scrabble club. So the languages department decided to create a new-to-English club, um, and that um, happens after school. It is basically what we do is we ask the students what they're interested in. And we create an hour's lesson based around those those um, subjects, those interests, with some sort of English teaching, sort of maybe it might have a grammar focus or it might have a vocabulary focus, but it allows the students to express themselves. They recognise that we're interested in what they are interested in. Yeah. So we've done all sorts. You know, I've got a student who is obsessed with ancient Egypt. He knows the names of all the gods all of the, the like the monuments wow. um, where all of these are located and he can tell me all of this um and he would he loved that i've done a lesson on like the moon landing and what it's like to be in space we've done nature walks and um, we've done all sorts oh, and it's just amazing. it's a bit it's, just light light up, really. don't they? as soon as you um, that's it you know to have those discussions with them that's lovely yeah um and it sounds simple sometimes doesn't it we'll just ask them what they like and we'll do a lesson on it but sometimes you just don't think of those ideas I know. And then this is the thing as well. So sort of as we find out more about these students and they open up to us and they start to trust us, it means that we can then let staff know um, and we can add it to their online profiles, you know, what they like and what they don't like. So that then when they go into the mainstream lessons after they have left full time English intervention, the staff can have these day to day discussions with them and build these relationships rather than just come into the into the class, sitting at the back, you know, and then sinking and we and, and we totally lose touch with them having that information beforehand is is really really beneficial for both student and staff yeah definitely do you offer any constant support for the parents so once that arrival and induction process is over does that support continue for those parents at home yeah we're in contact a lot via um phone with our our, um, parents so we have a wonderful um admissions officer who can speak multiple different languages and he's always the first person that we go to if we ever do have any issues with maybe friendships relationships um sort of uh, conduct around school and often it tends to be you know a little bit of a miscommunication or something like that and he's able to pass that on with with the staff uh, with um the parents we also um we used to run unfortunately we don't do them anymore but we did used to run coffee mornings um where parents were invited in um, and they could sit and they could meet staff members if they were free. They could meet the admissions team, um, you know, the headmaster, and they could just have a discussion around, you know, if they got any concerns or um, if they needed to buy some uniform, they could do it there and then. And it was quite, an, a, quite a nice little setup. And obviously, unfortunately, given uh, the COVID situation and yeah. things like that, we, we haven't been able to do it. So that's definitely something that we would look at starting. Yeah, that'd be good. I think in the past, I've done um, coffee mornings and sort of run like a little basic English sort of lessons for parents as well which was quite well received it's just nice sometimes to be able to familiarize yourself with people's faces as well isn't it oh my gosh yeah and that's it and then the, the and then the parents start to, to trust you as practitioners and then they start to trust the school and it and we found that we have um you know siblings coming through from primary school and they've picked Firth Park as their first choice because they know how well they're they're brother or sister has been supported that's it how um, welcoming it is new to english group or in lessons and yeah just it builds really nice links across the community that's good have you got any other further advice um sort of on initial arrival i think some schools are finding that they might not have had many al learners before but they are having an influx of refugees Mm -hmm. um with the current situation so what would you sort of advice be to those people that maybe don't have 
anything set up currently? Yeah, I think because I'm in a school where it's a, it's a 37% EAL uh, cohort, I think sometimes I forget that this isn't normal for a lot of people. This isn't their day-to-day teaching <laughs> life. So yeah, my first first piece of advice would be don't panic. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, if you've got a new student coming, um, it's the, the most important thing is to make them feel welcome. Because yeah. the situation that they have, some of the situations that they have come from are absolutely horrific. And for them, this school is now their safe place. And just ensuring that they feel welcome, you buddy them up with somebody who may speak a similar language or, the, you know, or who is a good influence as such, um, just to, to integrate them into, into the classroom. Um, you know, trying to help them with basic communication. So like you said, everyday communication cards. Um, you know, if if you're lucky enough to have a teaching assistant, um, use them in lessons to help work one-to-one with them. Um, yeah, like, yeah, just, just make them feel as welcome as possible. Um, and, and don't be afraid, you know, teaching EAL students is incredibly rewarding and they pick up language so quickly Um and the, the turnaround is just is just fantastic and and really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, they really do. I mean, I had a student um, in year seven who came with zero English. Mm. Um, we had a silent period for a good year, probably. Um, then in his GCSEs, I taught him all the way through for five years. Um, was the top performer in my sort of middle ability class, but he was fantastic and he passed his GCSEs with season above. Um, but it was phenomenal to see that sort of journey that he went mm-hmm. on you know it was it was amazing it's you know, I love hearing stories like that we have a very similar one here where I, I always share this one because it makes me want to cry with pride sometimes at how well this student did so young lady from Syria um came over with her six siblings um you know passed through the channel um she came with in year nine absolutely no English at all um passed the GCSEs she was then um offered a scholarship at um, one of our most prestigious um, sixth form academies in Sheffield um, oh, due wow. to how well she had done and also the support of staff here. And member, members of staff had written her references and had actively pushed for her to attend um, this college. She uh, she did an additional year due to her English language level, but she was happy to do that. Um, and she's now at Southampton University training to be a doctor. So it's just... Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> do definitely. Yeah, we've we've got quite a few. So you know, we've got students who are now training at Sheffield um, Sheffield Wednesday College Academy. Um, you know, part football, part study. We've got some um, students who've gone on to do A levels. Um, yeah, it's it's really okay. really really exciting. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it's um such like you say, such a rewarding job and so different every day. But it's um something to be really proud of, isn't it? Oh, thank you. Um, have you got anywhere else that people yeah, could look so, for resources or for any other charities that you recommend actual, uh, uh, refugee support? To look out for, I've had to do a lot of research um, myself you know, when this looking for year support for, to try and provide um, training and CPD for staff, both on a pastoral and um, sort of like a curriculum level. And um, Refugee Action is it, they are an incredibly helpful charity. Um, they run CPD sessions um, as a whole school, and they're also willing to answer if you have the silliest question, they are more than willing to answer it. Um, we have local charities in Sheffield, um, such as Learn for Life Enterprise. Um, they are a group who run ESOL evening classes. 
um, for adult refugee and asylum seeking um, students across the city, but they also actively support the families. And I've been having quite a lot of discussions with them about how we can support students here. And, you know, they being able to speak to other charities or other groups who help EAL students really does open your eyes to the things that you can you can offer. So, you know, they've suggested things such as conversation clubs. And that's something we're going to look at introducing here. Um, You know, like I said about the coffee mornings and yeah, I definitely recommend those too. In terms of websites itself, like I I, I said, uh, widget online, your resources on Twinkle are absolutely incredible given the the range of languages as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think we've got over 18 languages now and we're sort of trying to still build on that. Yeah, and 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 always growing as well, isn't it? So we can, you know, you can always suggest to you guys if, if you need an additional language or something something changing and, and you are so quick to respond to that and it's it, it's really, really helpful. Um, and like I said, Learning Village. We also use websites such as Global Symbols. Um, that's really helpful for, um, again, picture, um, representations of words, the noun project as well. That, that again, is another one that, that we use. Um, and then just like local resource websites. So, um, I teach ESOL to my Key Stage 4 students and obviously that's a, a little bit of a higher level of English as opposed to um, the New to English Survival Languages search and we use things like Lingua House and um, the British Council website for material. Right, okay, thank you. Like you say, there's such a range out there now but sometimes it can be overwhelming, can't it, with with how many resources are out mm-hmm. there, which ones are useful and which ones, you know, maybe take a bit more time to get your head around. Yeah. I know I'm definitely seeing more conversations on um, social media of people looking for resources, so it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, part of a, a group on, on social media that's um, an EL coordinated group, and it's just, you know, every day we've got notifications popping up, and we've started setting up our own little chats and don't like don't be afraid to reach out to other EAL coordinators I I'm part of um like a a locality group in Sheffield and we meet on a regular basis and I work very closely with the Sheffield Council as well in terms of um you know chatting to them about resources or how to support students um so yeah just just reach out to as many coordinators as possible we all teach in different ways but we all have things that we can share yeah and we all have ways that we can support each other and like I said, this is something that's going to, we're only going to see our number of EL students increase over the next couple of years. So making sure that we we have those resources and we have that support and most importantly can help our EL students, um, I think is really, really useful. Yeah, that's it. And all the EL coordinators have got the same um, focus. You know, the students mm-hmm. are always in mind, aren't they? And I think it's a lovely community to be a part of. I'm, I'm the same. I'm in some of those social media groups and everyone is so supportive it can be half 11 yeah. at night and you see somebody put a comment on and it's already got a thread of comments underneath of support i know and it was like follow like <laughs> want this i join and, yes. and, and and also as well i find the crossover between um primary EAL coordinators and, and secondary EAL coordinators um I, I speak to a number of primary EAL coordinators and take lots of resources off them and, and, and help and advice because obviously you know you can have students who arrive to the country who may be 15 years old, but who have the same low language level as those students who are coming in, say, year two or three, who are new to the country as well. Yeah. And so those resources that they use in primary school are also incredibly helpful to use in secondary as well. That's it. Yeah, we found that in Twinkle that sometimes we have that same level, but it's that age appropriate images. Um, yeah. I'll try and seek, you know, for the older learners. That can be difficult sometimes, yeah, can't it? But 
yeah that's the way they do, yeah <laughs> it's funny funny you said that because you know a, a lot of our older el students who are 15 16 year olds you know that they're very aware when we're preparing the resources sometimes that they might be a little bit babyish as such or um you know so like you said the images aren't as age appropriate and so we do try to make them feel you know that that they are they are teenagers and, and yeah. we, we do treat them as such. <laughs> yeah. that can be um, a discussion point can't it sometimes oh, thank yes. you um so much for all your advice and your feedback today it's been um really really helpful and i know that all of our listeners will find it so useful um, going forwards and let's keep in touch because you've got some amazing stories there and I'd love to hear more about them yeah most definitely I've really enjoyed talking about it like I said I'm always um, super proud of what we do here at Firth Park Academy and it's a job that I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else I absolutely love it so yeah I'm glad that I could be of some help and yeah look forward to talking to you soon as well oh thank you thank you